Salvation is just the first step in God's plan for our lives. If you'd like to know more about salvation, just go to our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net and click on the Salvation tab today. We've been talking about the Lord's Prayer. And when, when God told me I needed to break down the Lord's Prayer, I hesitated and I kind of said, Lord, they know the Lord's Prayer. We talk about it together. What is there to break down? But I don't, in typical fashion, that argument didn't go very far. And, and I did not win the argument. And as I've gotten into the study of the Lord's Prayer more and more, I know I have learned even more. And God reminds me all the time, you say it, I say it, we all say, man, I read that scripture before, but I never noticed that. So it makes sense that as we break down the Lord's Prayer, we could have read it every day of our lives, and yet the Holy Spirit will reveal something else to us. So we've gone through each piece of the Lord's Prayer, and today my plan is to bring all of that to a close. And last week, or the week before, we talked about lead us not into temptation, and what was amazing and I feel led to share this. Josh talked a lot about temptation as well. And the cool thing is, if you didn't know any better, you'd think we'd coordinated that. But the reality is, we did not. We did not. The Holy Spirit coordinated that. And so I encourage you, just like sometimes I go different places, and I don't always like the, the singing or the, the message or things like that, but I'm looking for God to speak to me, just even one part of it. And that was, that was very important to see the, the, the connection that God has done. You know, Dad's message very similar uh, about three weeks ago. So, so God is really trying to explain to us how we win against the enemy. And you know my theme. Let's keep it simple. I don't like complicated. Complicated stresses me out. There's a book that teachers read says, uh, Who Moved My Cheese? And that's all about somebody coming in and changing up your day or changing up your routine and they're moving your cheese. And I want you to know that I get very frustrated when people move my cheese. Now, Daddy doesn't have a problem with it because he doesn't like cheese, but it bothers me. And I'm having some days where God is trying to get me out of that. And I tell Tammy, not only did somebody move the cheese, I think they grated it up in little pieces and hid it everywhere. I don't even know where the cheese is anymore. And so there's the temptation to get frustrated and angry and not understand just what God's putting you through. But I want you to know that as you feel like God's moving you out of your comfort zone, we're doing some things a little differently than you're used to in services this year. They're all God-ordained, and I am getting the impression now that it's purposeful in getting us out of our comfort zone. So if you're starting to feel like you're out of your comfort zone, they tell me that's a good thing. I'm still working on it. I don't like being out of my comfort zone. But that's part of that prayer, lead us not into temptation, that I wouldn't fall into my comfort zone. And the next part of that verse is deliver us from evil. And that's what we want to talk about today. Matthew 6, the 13th verse says, And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And I would encourage you to look at various translations because there, there are some that don't include that part of for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. And I don't fully understand it. Sometimes I'll put a footnote in there. But I just encourage you to look because verses like that are so important. It is so important for us to remember whose kingdom we're really serving. And I think it's important to, to recognize that the way Jesus closed out the prayer was reminding us that it's his kingdom, his power, 
and it's his will. And so we've got to remember that it's his glory forever. And as we approach life and as we approach this prayer, that should be what we're focused on. How does my life bring glory to you, God? We spend so much time trying to make our lives comfortable. We go so far as to find scriptures that justify our comfort zone and our comfort level. And the reality is, it's not about you and it's not about me. It's about the Lord. It's about the glory to God. And so as we begin to look at our actions and our, our words and, and, and our deeds, we've got to begin to say, is this bringing glory to you, God? That, that's what this prayer is all about. It's about remembering that it's about his glory and that without him we can't do anything. And that's why Jesus told the disciples, when you pray, pray like this. There are lots of different teachings on types of prayers. I have no problems with that. Prayers of intercession, prayers of thanksgiving, right? But, but when Jesus was put to it and asked, how should we pray, this is what he said. And so all other prayers come out of this, and it's all about his glory. So we do pray healing for people. But we pray healing not just so you can feel better. We pray healing so it brings glory to God. I told you guys one of the most eye-opening scriptures I've read lately was in John chapter 9 where Jesus and some disciples go to a blind man and the disciples ask Jesus whose sin was it that caused his blindness? Was it his or his parents? And Jesus' answer was astonishing to me because he said it's neither. It's neither. He was blind for a time so that when he's healed, he brings glory to God. You mean God allowed him to be blind for a time? Yes, he did. God would allow me to be sick for a time? Yes, he might. Am I telling you not to pray for healing? No, I am not. <laughs> am I telling you not to have faith or belief for it? No, I am not. What I'm telling you is... Don't be so quick to say that just because you haven't been healed or just because that person you prayed for hasn't been healed, then there's something wrong with your faith or their faith. I'm telling you to look at the glory of God, and that's what the Lord's Prayer does, is it says it's about His glory. So we don't stop praying. We don't stop trying. We don't stop practicing. But we ultimately go back to, does this glorify God? You see, I'm, I'm a little bummed because I don't like fads, I don't like clicks, I end up staying away from things that I probably end up loving later just because everybody else was talking about it and it's annoying. What would Jesus do got annoying? You got your bracelet, you got your t-shirt, you got to tell everybody, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? So it kind of got to this point, it's like, well, I'm not going to say that. I do care what Jesus would do, but you have that feeling of, could we please move on? I'm tired of your gimmick and your phrase. You're just doing that to make money. These are the thoughts that start running through your mind. But the reality is, that is absolutely the best statement we could ever make, the best question we could ask. What would Jesus do? In any situation we're facing in our life, what would Jesus do? I want to tell you what Jesus would do. He'd pray. And the Lord's Prayer is how he would pray. You see, we're talking about deliver us from evil. Very short, very simple. So much in there, though. Starts out with deliver we got to understand that we can't deliver ourselves. We can't set ourselves free. Only Jesus can do that. Only God can deliver and set us free. And since we're talking about evil, I want to tell you something. One of the messages I heard recently did the best explanation I've heard in a long time of the difference between deliverance and freedom. 
And you think about the Israelites, and they, they had been delivered from slavery underneath Pharaoh and the Egyptians. But as they're approaching the Red Sea, Pharaoh's army is chasing after them. And they're faced with the decision, are they going to allow the army to overtake them again, or are they going to trust God and move forward? You see, at that point in time, they had been delivered but not set free. And that's like our past. That's, that's our sins. That's our past actions. We got delivered from them, but we didn't get set free yet. But if we trust God, just like he did with the Israelites, he's going to part that sea, we're going to walk through, and then he's going to totally set us free from our past. Why did I tell you all that? Because God didn't say, set us free from evil. He said, deliver us from evil. He said, Lord, we just talked about a great difference between deliver us and, and being set free. Shouldn't I be set free from evil? And the reality is, if evil is Satan and the works of Satan and sin, evil will not disappear. It will not be gone. It will not be abolished until Jesus returns. So until Jesus comes back, you're not going to be totally set free from the evil that exists in this world. So rather we pray on a daily basis, Lord, deliver me from the evil that surrounds me. Lord, lead me not into temptation. Help me not to fall to the sins of this world. We look forward to the day where we're set free completely. But we pray daily to be delivered from evil. Pray daily to be delivered from evil. We say deliver us. We have to know who delivers us. We have to understand that God is the only one that can deliver us. And I'm going to tell you something. You might as well understand and get it, get it in your, your spirit and in your soul that the enemy could care less about your success. He wants your death, your destruction. The Bible says that he came to kill to steal, and to destroy. He did not come to build up. So all of this fighting you see, especially in America, but it's all over the world, is not going away until the day Jesus comes back. This, this riot, this battle, this argument may be solved, but there's going to be another one down the road. And the enemy is going to continue to try to orchestrate that all to our destruction. His goal is to steal, kill, and destroy, and he doesn't care who's fighting who just as long as we're fighting. He doesn't care. I ran across this saying right here, and this is the way I believe Satan sees it and what he convinces people of. It says, the crowd that applauds your coronation will be the same crowd applauding your beheading because people love a good show. Think about that. The same people that are encouraging and excited, you start bringing Jesus into the mix, the same people that are going to be excited when, you're get, when you get destroyed. All they're looking for is a good show. Until we get Jesus... We don't understand that that's what's happening to us. We don't understand we're being manipulated. We don't understand that we're buying into the lies of the enemy. You see, the people in our streets are not rioting and crying out because they're fake and just doing something to get attention. It's their heart. That's what they're in their heart. That's truly the perspective they have, and that's the only way they feel like they're going to be heard and that things are going to be changed. And for the most part especially when you're talking about the violence that exists, we've bought into a lie of the enemy. We have allowed ourselves to be manipulated by the enemy. And the only way that that gets solved is Jesus. We have to be the example as Christians 
and show the world what the true solution is. And it can't just be the answer, well, Jesus is the answer. That is true. There has to be action put to that, though. So deliver us from evil. Not only are you asking God to deliver you from evil each day, but you need to understand that God has asked us to help show others how to be delivered from evil as well. We have a responsibility to show people how to be delivered from evil because guess what? Evil exists, and evil will continue to exist until Jesus comes back. The second part of that is us. Us. We have to realize that we are not alone. And I'm not just talking about God. God is with us, but there are other people in the same situation you're in. People you're sitting by, people you talk to, people you run across throughout your day. Us. Deliver us. It's not just about me. It's about all of us. Lord, deliver all of us from evil. I shouldn't be just happy when I am living right and when I'm experiencing the blessings of God. I should want my neighbor. I should want my community. I should want every person I come in contact to experience that same joy and that same blessing and that same excitement and that same peace that I experience from God. It's talking about impacting our culture for Jesus. We do that by living an example with our lives but showing people also verbally. We have to tell people about Jesus. We have to love people to Jesus. It's deliver us. <laughs> Sometimes we allow others to bring us down. We allow the world and the negativeness to bring us down and to help us forget who we are in Christ. That's why, again, it's important to remember you're not alone in this. It's us. T.D. Jake said, when you're a giraffe and you receive criticism from a turtle, remember they're reporting from the level they're on. <laughs> Think about that. You know, as Christians, we should be operating at a certain level. And when people in the world that don't know Jesus start talking to us about their perspective, it's not that they're horrible people. That turtle is not a bad turtle. Right? That turtle doesn't have the same perspective that that giraffe does. And you need not let the turtles affect your understanding of who you are in Christ. It's us. You need to reach out. You need to be transparent. Why aren't we transparent? First and foremost, because we're ashamed. We're ashamed. We have this idea that if I just don't talk about it, nobody will ever know. But as a Christian, the light of Jesus exposes the dark parts of our soul. It exposes the sin in our world, and at some point, we get found out. The reason you see pastors that fall so far down is because for so long, they've tried to hide what they're doing, but they still cry out to the same Savior I do, and he delivers them, sometimes by bringing them down and putting them back on a lower level. We have to understand that we need each other. We should be able to reach out to each other and say, you know what, I'm struggling in this area. I keep falling in this area. I need you to pray with me. I need you to walk with me. I need you to stand with me. And then if we're the person that's being asked that, we have to stop judging. The other reason people don't reach out is because you judged them, because I judged them, because I changed how I treated them simply because I found out something I didn't like about them. What would Jesus do? That's not how he treats us. Because you know, as well as I do, that
that we do lots of things that don't make Jesus happy. And yet he continues to treat us with the same love that he did yesterday. And he continues to receive us and forgive us and set us back on solid ground. We have to emulate Jesus. Ephesians tells us to be imitators of God. We have to be that for our brothers and sisters. It may be rough. You might have had a little bit of your sight and hopes dashed when the person you've looked up to and the person you've looked to and believed so much in shows you a fault. But that ought to reveal a couple things to you. Number one, the only person you should ultimately revere is God. The only person you should ultimately revere is God. We have to be there to walk with each other. We also categorize sin of what's more important and what's better and what's worse. And so if I eat a little bit too much, that's okay because I know you guys overeat every once in a while. So you don't drill me on that. You pray for me, you walk with me. But if I do more horrible things, and you guys can all think of something right now, I won't go through a list, then you begin to change your view of me. And now somehow I'm less of a Christian because that particular sin doesn't sit well in your acceptable sin range. Sin is sin. Consequences may be different. The consequence for murder is different than the consequence for lying. But they're both sin. They both keep us from the love of God. Let me rephrase that because God's love is never stopped for us. But it keeps us from the Lord. It keeps us from, from the blessings. A lot of times we're not being blessed because we're simply not following what the Lord's telling us to do. And so as Christians, we have to be that for the world because guess what? As the world begins to listen, they're going to show you some pretty awful things. Because they're in sin. They're in evil. They're in the world, just like we were at one point in time. So how we react and how we treat people is going to have a major impact on whether or not they ultimately come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So again, it's us. And guess what? It's us, including those that have accepted Jesus and those that haven't. God wants to deliver all of us. It says, He so loved the world that He gave His only Son for everyone, for whosoever. I'm going to repeat this in a minute, but you know, Romans tells us that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Maybe you've had a pretty good week, but guess what? Your whole life hadn't been that way. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so thank God he forgives us and he delivers us from evil. The last part of that is the evil part. Some of, some of the uh, scholars will talk about whether or not it means evil or evil one. The reality is it doesn't matter because if you're talking about the evil one and you want deliverance from him, everything evil comes from the evil one. So ultimately we want deliverance from Satan through eternal life, through salvation. But on a daily basis we want salvation from the temptations and the sins that are trying to attack us and trap us. So evil doesn't matter. Evil one or evil. Remember, Satan comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. He never looks and goes, I'm going to let you off the hook today. Satan, as a matter of fact, when you're kind of run down, that's when he pounces the most, when we're vulnerable. 
When did Satan come to attack Jesus after his 40-day fast and wilderness walk? It says after 40 days, when Jesus was physically the weakest, and Satan came and attacked him. And yet Jesus continued to quote the scriptures and to call out to God who delivers us from all evil. You see, evil is something that's morally reprehensible. It's sinful. It's wicked. If you want to think about an acronym for E-V-I-L, it's everything vile in life. That's evil. Everything vile in life is evil. But Psalms 23, 4 tells us what we should do with this. We should fear not. It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. See, we don't have to fear the evil that's in this world as long as we remember who delivers us from evil. It goes hand in hand. It goes hand in hand. Jesus is the one. God is the one that takes care of us. The Lord's Prayer is filled with references to how we succeed. Anytime we begin like we can overcome, that we can handle whatever lies before us, then we get in trouble. Because we cannot do anything without Christ except fail. We ultimately overcome because of God. I want to I kind of bring this to a close. There's so much that can be said about evil, but I, I don't feel like I want to spend a lot of time on evil itself. We've all experienced evil. The biggest thing that I have experienced in my life is that inability to call evil evil. I don't want to call a person evil. That's what I feel like I'm doing, but the Lord is really trying to help me understand that, that yes, I still love the person, but the actions are evil. Because evil to me sounds so extreme. And you got to understand, I was telling this story the other day, I don't remember to who, but when I grew up, my mom and dad protected against even the slightest of words that might give off the connotation of just horrible. So one day I'm at the baseball field, and I was really mad at somebody. So I wrote in the sand with my finger, I hate so-and-so. I don't remember who it was. I hate so-and-so. My mom came over there and saw that. Not only did she explain to me that we don't hate anyone and it's not proper to hate, she made me erase hate and write dislike. It wasn't enough just to tell me about it. She didn't go over there and scratch it out. She made me erase it and write dislike. And so I've always remembered that I save evil for the most extreme things. But the reality is, sin is evil. Sin is evil. The opposition to God, that's evil. And the key is not, not throwing everybody out. You know, that saying, separate the person from the sin, we still have to love people because guess what? Jesus died for people that are doing evil things. It does not mean we should partake in the evil that they're doing. It doesn't mean that we should accept or even give off the idea that we accept the evil that they're doing. But we should be able to explain to them that there is a Savior that died for them, that loves them, and that will set them free, that will deliver them from that evil that keeps attacking them every day. Because, you know, the reality is when we are living lives of sin and an evil, it doesn't matter what words people are telling you, it is not a happy life. It is a miserable life. Whether or not people admit to that, I can't help, but the reality is it's miserable. We think in little terms of money being able to solve all problems, and Christians understand that money is not going to solve all your problems. 
But there are men and women out there that are billionaires and are still unhappy. They've done everything in the world. They can buy anything they want. And they don't have ultimate happiness because they're missing Jesus. So we continue to love them and we continue to show them that without God, everything they do amounts to separation from him and evil. So we need Jesus to deliver us from evil. I've been reading in the Old Testament in 2 Chronicles 29.2. says, He did right in the sight of the Lord according to all his father David had done. This was King Hezekiah. I stopped in my tracks. Because 2 Kings and Chronicles is filled with scriptures that say, So-and-so became king and he did evil in the sight of the Lord. Next chapter. So-and-so came to power, became king, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord. Next chapter. So-and-so did evil in the sight of the Lord. So as I'm reading by Hezekiah, I say he did evil in the... Wait, it doesn't say that. He did right... Woo! He did right in the sight of the Lord. I better read this a little closer. So I begin to say, well, Lord, what did Hezekiah do that was different? Because there are other kings that would come in and they would destroy different places that had idols. And so it appeared that they were doing the right things, but ultimately it always says they did evil in the sight of the Lord. So if we need... He got to deliver us from evil. And maybe we should look at some guys like Hezekiah to figure out what do they do different. Well, in 2 Chronicles 29, verses 5 through 7, it says, Hezekiah, then he said to them, Listen to me, O Levites. Consecrate yourselves now and consecrate the house of the Lord, the God of your fathers, and carry the uncleanness out from the holy place. For our fathers have been unfaithful and have done evil in the sight of the Lord. See, there it is. Our fathers have done evil in the sight of the Lord, our God, and have forsaken him and turned their faces away from the dwelling place of the Lord and have turned their backs. It goes on, but the idea here is that Hezekiah told the people they needed to consecrate themselves. Consecrate means to devote. Devote. We've been talking about surrender versus submit. We can submit to the Lord, and that's great. And submit and surrender are very close. But ultimately, surrender is giving up completely. That's what we're doing when we consecrate. We're devoting ourselves. We're surrendering to the Lord and his ways. Everything that we do should point us back to God's glory. The Lord's prayer and every facet of it points us back to the glory of God. We've talked about each piece. Our Father. That one's pretty self-explanatory. First of all, it's not just my Father. It's our Father. We have a God that is our Father that believes and loves us, believes in us and loves us. It's thy kingdom come, thy will be done. His kingdom, his will, not ours, not our kingdom, not our will. I've told you many times, we, we use scriptures to justify our comfort level. And we always talk about he'll give us the desires of our heart, forgetting to back up when it says delight in his ways. Delight in his ways, and then he'll give you the desires of your heart. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness. Right? These are the things we're supposed to be doing. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul. See, when we do that, that's when he will give us the desires of our heart. But ultimately, it's his kingdom and his will. Lord, give us this day our daily bread. Lord, you please provide for me. Forgive us. Lord, forgive us and help us forgive others. Help us avoid temptation, Lord. And delivers from evil. And then Jesus closes it with the same thing. Because ultimately it's his kingdom. Right? It's his power and his glory forever. I encourage you to go back and to read the Lord's Prayer 
and to study it because it is a formula it is a format and we're not just supposed to say it for rote memorization just to say it but we need to believe it when we say it we need to believe what we're saying you've been listening to Sunday sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship Church a place where you're loved accepted and received a place of healing a place of prayer a place of hope We invite you to join us this Sunday and every Sunday. For service times, location, and other information about the church, please visit our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net. Again, that's southsidechristianfellowship.net. As we wrap up today's message, we would like to once again thank you for listening. We would like to also have Papa Herman, an elder at Southside, to speak a Father's blessing over you. May the Lord bless and keep you, that He would cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you that the Lord would lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And remember that the Lord's favor is with you all the time. Expect it. It is with you. It's manifesting itself to you. It will overtake you no matter where you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.